0: This episode of the podcast is brought to you by m M&M and Video Games, a great local chain of retro video game store here in Pinellas County. My favorite location personally is the new Pinellas Park location. Right. And there they have roughly 7000 unique game titles in stock, a bunch of consoles, accessories, and even have a consignment section for all the really hard collectible finds. They buy, sell, trade if you have old games collecting dust that you don't know what to do with. They'll take them for cash or in-store credit. And that's a little bit different than your usual box store gaming stores where they only give you store credit or an exchange of games. They are an easy one-stop shop for all gamers of all ages. You can check them out online at mandmvideogames.com. For their online store and news. And now on with the podcast. Well my balls are raised. Six of thirty sets for tables on a dead man jayus on the souls of the dear too bad they don't know that Fuck your couch. Well oh, that was original. Yeah, yeah, too bad that you uh that you couldn't speak into the correct part of the microphone. Yeah, this is the correct part. I do it all the time, it's fine. Yeah you gotta you gotta speak into the the dick part of the microphone. Right here. Yep. The old dickhead part. The old dick part of the microphone. And with that... With that, we're gonna go into. My, my name is Luke badnews Burton. I'm Psycho Steve Fury. And this is Wrestleology, <laughs> where we take a look at wrestling's past to explain its present. Two times in a row. I don't that know why I just did that. that <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it, it, you are feeling froggy, especially after you became the head interviewer at the convention. Yeah, no. Steve, you, you're like one more convention away from doing a panel and hosting it. Uh, yeah, sure, with a mask on and. Glasses on and baked out of your mind. Uh, yeah, yeah. We just gotta find you a Quaalude just to calm you down, you know. Uh, I don't know. Just tap in, tap out. Look at that. That's a that's a pretty good Freddy Krueger mask. But either way, everybody. Uh, I'm not gonna say what I think. Uh, okay. <laughs> I don't even know where to begin. But uh, this is our last episode at the Ocala Comic Con convention, and. Currently, what's going on, friend? Sorry to interrupt the podcast. Oh, you're fine. It's all right. Did you're good. good. I you oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> I just went up the helmet today. What do you want me to do? Anything cool? me go hit him in the ding-ding? Not in front of his kid, because then his kid's going to do it. Or, yeah, do it in front of his kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But <laughs> for this last episode of the podcast, we are going to be talking about something that I think it's pretty topical for wrestling today, especially with the <laughs> new evolution. <laughs> he just got hit the dick. Oh, that's great! It's fantastic. <laughs> uh, the the evolution again of women's professional wrestling, because for a while, I know that for the majority of the time that I've been a wrestling fan. Women's professional wrestling has either been non-existent or... Um, I don't want to say a joke. I was. I was going to say that. I was going to say that it was mostly for uh, viewing pleasure of a male audience. Yes. Because it was all just bra and panties matches. And, you know, it wasn't always like that, Steve. Did you know that? Oh, I, I did. But I didn't realize it went back as far as it did. Right. And the thing about women's professional wrestling is that there were a couple of different boom periods. And, Steve, I think that you're going to start us off today with Mildred Burke, right? All the way back in the 1930s. Yeah, 1935 to be exact. You can't really talk about women's evolution of wrestling without talking about Mildred Burke. 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 Brooke. Brook Burke. Brooke. Burke. Blah blah, 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 blah. Marble mouth. All right. So, Mildred Burke. Tell me more about her. So, in 1935, she broke into the business. She was 19. Okay. Uh, she joined the circus. I can't with this guy's beard. Where? where? <laughs> to the right of us. <laughs> uh huh. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Either way. So, uh, in, 19, in 1933, 1935, 35, 35, 35. She broke into the business. At 19 years old. Yeah. On the circus. The carnival circuit. As a wrestler doing reward spots of $25. What is that? It's a uh, Lake City, Lake County comic convention. That's a hard pass. <laughs> 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 so she was giving... There was $25 rewards to offered to any man of similar weight to wrestle... Burke and tried to pin her within 10 minutes. Okay. No man was ever able to do it. And and then she asked Billy Wolf to train her. Who, at the time, was a professional wrestler and also had a stable of professional wrestlers similar to, like, the Gold Deaths Trio. Yeah. Who were Billy Sandow, um... Tootsmont and then somebody else, but Billy Sandow was their golden goose that they were toting around yeah. these different territories. He had a stable of professional wrestlers, and at the time, as you can probably tell in the 1930s, uh, women's equality really wasn't a thing back then. No, it wasn't. Considering what Billy Wolf did when she asked for him to train her, he found a man to slam her and try to scare her out of the business, it did the exact opposite, where she got up and slammed him instead. Hi. How you guys doing? Hi. How are you doing? Are you guys doing a podcast? We're we are. doing a podcast about professional wrestling. Actually, right now we're doing an episode of women's wrestling. What do you think of women's wrestling? I've never watched wrestling, but if we're doing it pretty good, then I would be happy. Awesome. <laughs> All right. Well, you got a cute dog. Um, oh, I didn't even realize you had a dog. Yeah. A little sling. His name is Irwin. 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 All right. He's starting to become a fighter. Now, earlier, there was a like, Ghostbusters dude that walked up and he's growling and wanted to fight him. So. Oh, I <laughs> talked oh, yeah. to that guy. Yeah. I mean, I would have growled at him, too. <laughs> yeah, 100%. I, I probably would not have bit him, though. Um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he of can course. do that. Yeah, no, no, no. I mean, he's cute enough. He might be able to get away with it. If I bite somebody, I'm going to jail. Yeah. Most definitely. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's a puppy. He can get away with it Yeah, they'll think that I'm on bath salts or something. <laughs> Wait, you're not on bath salts? No, not, not tonight. <laughs> what? Goodness it's gracious. It, it Thank you, know. you, guys. Appreciate you stopping by. That's been the majority of our interactions this weekend. Uh, I'm pretty proud of myself for that interaction. Me too. You led that. I. You were the talk of the town today. I am also medicated. On what? THC. No way. You? Yep. No way. After that um, interview session you made me do. Oh, yeah. I had to go run and hide. Time out before we get to, to Billy whatever his name is. Wolf? Billy Wolf? Billy Wolf. Man, his name's real. Like your name, Stephen Fury. So, anyways, Steve. I hate you. <laughs> uh, so, I so Steve has terrible social anxiety. Um, and by the time that this podcast comes out, you'll be able to go on YouTube and search the video. But I thought it would be great if I bought a tiny microphone and made Steve interview people at the Comic-Con. I did not know about the tiny microphone until we got here. And ask what wrestleology is to a bunch of strangers, who have no clue what wrestling is. Uh, it was really weird. I was shaking at one point. You looked like you were about to throw up. Uh, I felt like I was gonna throw up. <laughs> uh, I think I asked you like three times afterwards. I was like, "Do you need a cigarette?" You're like, "No, my leg. Are, I just need my my leg to just keep bouncing right now." Yeah, I was not okay after that. Yeah. Uh, But either way, uh, besides you being completely socially awkward, I think that you grew a lot today, though, Steve. I think that you... uh... It hasn't moved at all. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not talking about your dick. Oh, yeah. This is what I want to do. This kid's got the right idea. He just wants to lay down. Yeah. He's He's just getting tossed around. Hey, don't mess with a man's hat. Oh, look at that. Now, if that oh. kid poops or pees... Oh, my God. I just saw that like ending so badly. I just saw that kid just falling backwards in my head. Oh, my head. God. That kid, that kid looks like he's going to cry. I'm going to cry. Oh, my God. All right. So, <laughs> Billy Wolf. Billy Wolf. Tell me so- more about Billy Wolf. <laughs> Mildred asked Billy Wolf to train her. I don't know if we got there. We We did. did. We did. And he, he said no. He said no. She slammed a dude. She slammed a dude, and then he decided that, oh, shit, this, this chick's legit. I'll train her. So then they ended up getting married, and in this whole time, she's wrestled more than 200 men Right. during the 1930s. She won every match except for one of them. And Billy, Billy Wolf was making significantly more money off of her and all the other women because he was just promoting just women. Right. He was also so, labeled let So hold as... on, let's, let's, let's back this up. So after he started promoting her, he saw how much of a draw women's professional wrestling was. Is that correct? Correct. So then he started training other women, having them in a stable... And then basically pimping them out. Yeah. And then he got the reputation of being a womanizer. Okay. So she was like, I can't do this anymore. In 1952, she divorced him. Got it. And because of that, it put... She was ostracized from the NWA. Right. So that put a real big strain on her. She couldn't wrestle anymore. She was blackballed. Pretty much. And then... Like, they would always have NWA meetings, and they made her sit in the lobby and not be part of those meetings. Shit. Yeah. Wow. That's insane. But to, to kind of go off of the similar path of being a womanizer, it wasn't just that he was a womanizer. He was sexually abusive to her and all of the other women wrestlers that were in his stable that he had trained. Yep. This is including the person that actually pushed him out of business because it wasn't just the NWA. It was all of the territories that he would lend out all of his women wrestlers to. Yeah, he was a pimp daddy. He was a pimp daddy. Um, It was the Fabulous Moolah. Yep. Fabulous Moolah, who is considered to be the greatest women's wrestler of all time. She trained underneath Billy Billy Wolf for a year Realized that it wasn't for her. Was experiencing the same things that Miss Burke was experiencing. Miss Burke actually had to leave the United States. Go over to Japan to further her wrestling career. And to continue to make money. Which is what we're going to be getting into after this. But after a year of being trained underneath Billy Wolf... Moolah and a bunch of other women's wrestlers were put into a stable underneath Moolah. Where Moolah essentially did the same thing that Billy Wolf did, yeah. except for just not sexually assault her. Not just verbally assaulting. Assault, yeah, just verbally assaulting the women. To the point where she actually ended up taking away the WWF from Billy Wolf. And that she got the, all the big promotions. Yeah, it, was, it was after that where, after she had gotten to the WWF and then gotten to the NWA, that he started to be phased out of professional wrestling and where he actually ended up being blackballed himself as a professional wrestling promoter. Yep. Did you know that because she was in charge of, like, the promotion... Of her own stable That the NWA Basically gave her power Over the NWA Women's Championship Yeah That's why she Pretty much held it For 30 years Yeah Like she had uh, Consecutively It was I think it was like 8 years I think 10 it was, years It was 11,000 It was like 11,000 days Yeah That it was she was crazy. Consecutively held The NWA Women's Championship there was no... She could do whatever she wanted and nobody could stop her. Of course. And, and this is in lieu of having some of the best women in her roster, right? She had one of her best friends who was considered to be one of the best female grapplers at the time. Later on to be a pervy old woman and the mother of a hand. Not May gross. Young. <laughs> May Young was considered to be a legitimate grappler, and the funny part about him hey, is, why did is you that bring up the hand. I, because you can't say May Young without thinking of the <sighs> hand. I want to try to think of that, though. You want to try to think of the hand? Not. You know what I meant. I. You know what I meant. goddamn it. I don't want to think of. Never mind. <laughs> I can't even get my words <laughs> out. Um, but the the crazy part about this is that you know i know that we've talked about the boom of women's professional wrestling but the reason why women's professional wrestling became big in the united states isn't because it was just like some sideshow to show attraction in the 1940s world war ii happened all the men were gone all the men went to war so people were still going to do the same things but right it was, was the same thing with like women's baseball the, yeah there was a lot of less men in the united states so instead of completely getting rid of all of the information all the entertainment and all the information they just supplemented it with women's professional wrestling yeah. which opened the door for a new segment of the same industry to blossom and bloom yeah which in turn You know, they started doing all these different world tours, right? The NWA, whenever they would go over to Japan, even though, you know, a lot of the men, such as Luthez, even though he was a huge, great professional wrestler, he was a chauvinist. Absolutely. He was a pig. He wouldn't wrestle on the same card or in the same building on the same day. He thought it, it discredited. It took away the credibility of the title and the wrestling promotion to have women... ...wrestling in the same building on the same card. That's crazy to me. What a prick. Yeah, man. That that blows me away. That does the exact opposite. It does the exact opposite because now you're allowing everybody to fight. I know that at the time, he thought probably that women were only good for one thing or two things, which is being in the kitchen and making a baby. Yeah. But, like, at the same time, the world is more dynamic than just that you know it's not just women are not just for you know the using of men women are individuals (laughs) themselves and this is kind of where everything started to turn with that those tours going into japan right same thing that happened with men's professional wrestling over there women's professional wrestling started to catch fire in japan as well what you see now is the style of wrestling that you see with what we consider traditional Japanese professional wrestling, where it's the high flying, the hard hitting, the fast pace. We started to see that within women's wrestling as well around like the 1960s, the 1970s. Yeah, and That was a lot of Mildred Brooke too, because I think it was Mildred Brooke. She was doing a lot of like drop kicks and sunset flips and cradles, which at the time, it was never happening. Yeah, because it was all nothing but shoot fighters. And, you of know. course, it was just grappling, right? Yeah. So she goes over there. She helps revolutionize and kind of bring over professional wrestling to Japan, where they're incorporating a lot of the same styles that they're seeing within the men over there, which is a lot of martial arts style professional wrestling, a lot of kicks, yeah, a lot of drop kicks, the same thing that you're say- saying, a lot of these high-flying moves. And then a lot of these hard power slams—that's what we call Joshi professional wrestling. Oh, is that? I didn't know that had that's a the, name. It's the profe- it's the actual term where it's like the it it's really for the Japanese style of women's professional wrestling, to where it's hard hitting a lot of the same things that are the parallels within men's professional wrestling that you don't see over here in the States or you didn't until most recently, right? Because yeah. it was really segmented where it was just a lot of grappling, a lot of shoot fighting, a lot of hair pulling, a lot of cat fighting to the point where it just it became boring, right? Mm-hmm. Coming back over here... Moolah is the NWA champion going into the Rock and Wrestling period. Yeah, the WWE actually ended up buying the NWA championship from Moolah. Yeah, dude, she had a. Like, it's crazy to think that she had such a fucking stranglehold on that title that they had to buy it off of her. They bought it off of her so that she could lose to Wendy Richter. <laughs> Ridiculous. So that she could put her over. And then afterwards, and here's the crazy part about it, is that because she had such a stranglehold on the industry, when they put somebody else over, like Wendy Richter, it killed the entire business. Yeah. Because there was no other star for Wendy Richter to actually wrestle against. No. So it, when you had, like... You and had, nobody's in... in fabulous Mula fabulous isn't going to put somebody over on her from her group no of course not because then it's going to create some sort of mutiny within her own group yeah the thing that I found funny though is that like after Mula, they tried to build up Sonya Blaze and they had I believe it was like Bull Nakato or something like that where she had the crazy blue hair and the face yeah. paint she was actually a super reputable Japanese Joshi wrestler over in the 90s and the 80s in Japan where she's having these hard slobber knocker brawls. and the women in Japan look nothing like the women no. here no no i mean it like even if you go back to where you see the 1980s or even like the like the mid 1970s where it's like all these smaller women that are wearing basically singlet swimsuits yeah, and they just have their names on the back and it's like highly technical professional wrestling to where they're doing a lot of different rest holds they're doing the drop kicks, doing a lot of different grappling that is like hard collar and elbow tie ups and not only that there are like women specific promotions in Japan at that time that were drawing Huge crowds at sumo halls, yeah, which is like Tokyo Dome and shit. Is that what you're talking about? That was later, like Aja Kong and somebody else, I forget who it was, but they they main evented an event at the That's Tokyo. That's probably Dome. what I'm thinking of because we talked about it this morning. We did, and 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 just think of it like this because, like, at the time where women's wrestling was kind of being phased out of WWE, where Sonya Blaze is the the women's heavyweight champion or the women's champion yeah and then goes over to WCW and drops the championship in the bin and then talks about how she's Medusa yeah 100% yeah and then it's and, and, then, and then they and went then, to the diva era pretty much yeah 100% so at that same time where they now just like made everybody a valet yeah all but the women with, but without but without having any anybody to ballet and just having a bunch of hot supermodels wrestle on your card. But they weren't like legit wrestling matches. They were just like... They were just there to parade around. Yeah. You had on the, the other side of the world in Japan, you had these women that weren't supermodels. They were legit professional wrestlers that just beat the absolute shit out of each other. Yeah. Like, Aja Kong is no joke. Yeah, that had cage matches, that had death matches, that had hardcore matches, that were using, like, these spinning back fist moves, using a lot of the same style that you see today. It's a complete contrast to what was happening over here, where it was basically we used the women as an intermission for all of the, the wrestling that was on the cards. They were a prop in order to elevate the men so that it could put more eyes on the product. Yeah. It's crazy to me, man. It's kind of like... It, it, it almost is a complete reflection of the 90s, though, right? Because at the time, you're talking about the Attitude Era where everyone considers that the best version of professional wrestling. And in reality, in my opinion, I think that the reason why everyone considers it like the best version of professional wrestling is just because of how hot it was, because of how edgy it was. From like, a, yeah, it, was, it definitely went. Now we're in like a PG era where they're not doing anything crazy. When then there was, they were literally pushing the limits of television. Yeah, it was. It was. They Every, were. Sorry, go ahead. They were trying to make a Jerry Springer. Yeah. Every week, it's like, how. all right, so this week, let's have the girls get a little bit more naked. Let's see how far we can get it. Well, do do you remember, like, the couple of times where, I I don't think it was a couple of times, but there was this girl, I think that her name was The Cat. She was married to Jerry Lawler. Do you remember on Fully Loaded where she, like, took her top off on pay-per-view? I went crazy. Somebody ran out and... Covered up real quick. Yeah, because that's a big no-no. That's a big no-no for your sensors, right there, man. Hell no. Even though it was on pay-per-view. No, man. That's not a. I mean, especially when you're like a PG-14 rated television show. Yeah. You can't do that. Who? Teddy Sykes, the one that Mark was telling you about. Oh no, is that him? Yeah. Cool. (laughs) Who? yeah, because I'm going to fall for that again. <laughs> 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 oh, okay. Did you get your Power Rangers? Yeah? Nah, yeah. Nah, yeah. We found some. Dude. Dude. There's a lot activities back there. There's a lot of activities back there. There's a lot of room. There's a lot of room. There's a lot of room for activities. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, you know us. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. Wow. Right in front of his kid too. Yeah, doesn't care. Doesn't care. <laughs> <laughs> what? No, I didn't see yeah, that. he just did it. Did he do it? He just did it. No kidding. Yeah, made the jack off symbol. Right in front of his kid. And then his kid turned around and did the same thing. Of course he did. What an idiot. Ooh, you hear that Steph? He's teaching he's teaching Jackson some dirty things. Yeah. Alright. So going back to mid nineties, early two thousands, women's professional wrestling yes. in America <clears throat> didn't exist. No. Quite frankly. And I'm sure that there are going to be people here that are going to bitch and complain to us that, yes, it did exist. You know, professional wrestling, if you went on the independent circuit, we're not talking about that. Yeah, no. We're not talking about that. For the majority of the time that we have seen professional wrestling for WWE or mainstream professional wrestling here in America over the past 30 years, the majority of that time, it has been... Bra and panties matches. Except for WCW. WCW had some legit women's matches, but I think it's because they had that partnership with New Japan. Yes, 100 percent, man. What's going on, man? My buddy Mikey. Luke, pleasure to meet you. My brother Jordan. So now I have people staring at us while we talk. That's cool. (laughs) Oh yeah. Oh yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for coming by. Uh, and yeah, what you. we've noticed is that it's it's significantly picked up over the past ten years because of this moving away from the over sexualization of the women on their roster. Yeah, and I think that has a lot to do with the times, obviously. Yeah. Um. I think if it was, it, I know Vince McMahon has a good hold on his wrestling company. But he has to have lost some control in the women because if it, I feel like if it was still up to him, they'd still be in their bra and panties. I think that what he was trying to do, because and it's I, I don't think that it's I think that it's not I think that it's more of a symptom of the culture than it is of the person, right? I think that for him, he runs a television show. Yeah. On a primetime spot. And what he's trying to do is he's trying to draw a rating. Yeah. And at the time of the Attitude Era and the 1990s and the 2000s, it was a lot of garbage television. Yeah, it was not good. It wasn't good. And the reason why people love it so much is because of the unscripted nature. They don't love it because of the quality of the storylines. Well, you also had, I mean, you had these guys pretty much giving the fuck you to their boss, 100%. and that was that was the mentality in the '90s. Well, and also it wasn't just that; it was it was the fact that these two companies were competing hand in hand, side by side, to put one another out of business, like openly put each other out of business. Yeah. It was a war for rating and it was very verbal very verbal and both of them were very verbal about it on both of their programs I mean what was it Nitro one night said oh don't even bother changing the channel yeah we'll I'll tell you Ma- right now when mankind when mankind won the world heavyweight championship yeah. the, w- the WWF championship and it completely crashed their rating everybody went over because everybody loves McFoley. foley yep you know that's the thing that blows me away about that era is that it wasn't about the quality of professional wrestling. It was all about how can we pop this rating. And now we've moved away from it. What now what the that fuck is going on? I don't know. But he's got a little he's got a little stinger coming out of his butt. <laughs> he's got a butt plug. He's stinger. got a little butt plug stinger. Oh baby! All these butt plug tails. I know, man. And there's a girl that just looked like she got beat up. What? She had blood coming out of her mouth. Oh, man. Yeah. She looked like she was, like, 12 years old. Jesus Christ. I right know. Child abuse. She's got a dad that hits her. Or a mom. Probably, Probably a mom, dad. considering we're talking about women's wrestling. Yeah. Well, uh, way for you to be inclusive in your domestic violence, Steve. Yeah, man. It's... um. It's equal a broad, opportunity. It's a broad spectrum. Yeah, equal opportunity. <laughs> beating of your child. Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, so we are currently in the era of modern women's professional wrestling, which was really started by AJ Lee, right? Yeah. Would you yeah. say that? because um, I would. Because if you want to, if you want to go, I honestly say I would say Natalia. Really, I feel well. She she was legitimately trained by probably like one of the biggest families in professional wrestling. Yeah, Stu Hart and the Hart Dungeon. It's where she met TJ, her husband, yeah. and then also uh, Davey Boy Jr. Yeah, Harry Smith. Her father is Jim and Anvil, Anvil heart Yep. The R. Thing R.I.P. That, yeah. Uh, the thing that I if you really want to if you really want to go back to what has started the the most recent evolution of women's professional wrestling it probably has to be the rivalry between Trish Stratus and Lita though. Oh yeah, where in the 2000s. Yeah, where they were the first women's match to main event Monday Night Raw. Yeah. Well, then we have up until a couple years ago we had our first women's match headline at WrestleMania. Where it was Becky Lynch versus Ronda Rousey versus Charlotte Flair. Yeah, and I think the only reason it was on the main event is because of Rousey. Also, Becky Lynch was the biggest thing going at the time, though. That's true. She was the biggest thing going at the time. And what I have found to be crazy about this industry, right, and I think that a lot of people get up in arms about equal opportunity, and I think that there's a valid point with all of that, right? The one thing that I I have to go back to, and which I kind of agree with in a certain sense, right, is that we forget that wrestling is an entertainment business, right? Yes. At the end of the day, it's entertainment. And what is the match that is going to draw the best rating that will allow people to stay on to the end of the show. Are you asking? Yeah, sure. Uh, Right now, it's... Here's a dream match. As much as I don't like that she's a WWE person, Becky Lynch... Okay. And Britt Baker right now. Two of the hottest names. I can see that. That would be a match. You know what I could see main eventing a pay-per-view? And this is on the AEW side, right? Because I I do not see a main event quality match within WWE for their women's division. No, I feel like, honestly, I feel like Charlotte Flair is probably the only one that would give you one. But there's not, I feel like there's nobody on her level. I think that there's one person on her level, but... It's not in WWE, is she? <laughs> yes, she is in WWE, but they've done the match so many times now to the point where it doesn't even matter if she wins. I think Rhea Ripley's on her level. Oh, yeah, yeah, I guess you're right. I, I keep forgetting about her because they, they have done that so many times. Yeah, they've done it, like, what they always do is they overplay a storyline way past the point where... It's no longer fun for you to watch anymore because you don't care. You, you yeah. get burnt out of the storyline because for 12 weeks it's them doing the same match we over, almost, almost and the exact, over and over and over again. Same finish. Yeah, it's the same finish, and and people hate it, man. And it's not. It's not fun anymore. Yeah. And the problem is is that the match that they put on every single time even though it's the same match it's a good match. Yeah. Well I mean it's a good match. It's you can't mess up chicken noodle soup, you know? It's true. But if you eat chicken noodle soup every day, you you'll get, get real sick bored of, of chicken noodle soup. You get sick of it, you know? It's yeah. not like pizza. Like I couldn't get sick of pizza. Ooh, I love me some pizza. I love me some pizza. This guy and his top hat, dude. I've been wanting to make fun of him all day. <laughs> Just kept my mouth shut. It's because he's literally right next to you. I mean, I shouldn't be afraid of him. I could probably almost 100% guaranteed to I can kick his ass. Dude, he's got he's got he's got tap. He's got those gloves though. He's got those leathers. He's got those leather gloves. He's also wearing like a a pirate shirt underneath, like that Jerry Seinfeld episode. He's, got a, Seinfeld? he's yeah, got a blouse. Yeah, blouse. Yeah, that's I mean. funny. <laughs> Jesus. Oh my goodness. Today has been a day. Yeah. Yeah, it's been it's been a day for you. Yeah it has. I am uh I'm exhausted. I'm ready to get home. Yeah. Watch some wrestling. <laughs> mm-hmm. So what we've been doing here the whole weekend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But just in my own bed. That's good. It's good. To lay down get to get actually to get a little R and R, not talk to a million strangers that oh my God, aren't am, interested in our podcast about professional so wrestling. Strangered out right now. So, let me ask you this: what are some what are some good takeaways from this recent women's evolution or this revolution of women's pro- professional wrestling? Right? Uh, because what well, what I've noticed is is there's a lot more investment in the quality of the matches that the women can produce. Yeah, I think uh, they're allowing the women to actually do whatever match they want now and not saying, okay, you're going to wrestle this person. I mean, that still happens, obviously. But you guys can do whatever you want. But somebody has to rip somebody's clothes off. Somebody yep. has to insult somebody's libido or husband or something. Or here's here's the kicker, though, um, is that when they were phasing out those type of matches, where it was just more more so the uh, just the divas. Yeah. They were only given like four minutes, like two to four minutes. Yeah, they were quick matches. They were quick matches. And whenever they were on a pay-per-view, I don't know if I told you this, but I think that I did. It was Michelle McCool. It was an Extreme Rules match. And it was Michelle McCool versus Beth Phoenix. And it was a... I forget what the name of the match was, but it was a... It probably wasn't It was like a Beauty Supply match or something like that. Jesus Christ. It was like a total makeover match, which is crazy because Beth Phoenix was like booked as like a legitimate wrestler. Yeah, she is a legitimate wrestler. She's fantastic. Yeah, she. So they had like ironing boards and a table full of makeup. Just straight up misogynistic bullshit. Yeah, it's like hey. What do women like? Oh, they like makeup and dressing up and More doing makeovers. And in there, too. And there was a there was a mop and, and a and a bucket so that they go could go clean. Figure. And they used the uh, they used the bucket as a weapon. You are tearing up this tablecloth right now. I can't help it, man. It's your anxiety. I know. I know. And now, the best part about this is we, we flash forward to now, and it almost is if we're reflecting the Joshi wrestling in Japan. Yeah, it's come back over. It's come back over to the point where women are now in these Hell in a Cell matches. They are doing all of the same matches that the men are doing, And they're treated as equals. And the women are almost, if not stronger than the men. You mean character wise or wrestling wise? Character wise. I would say in WWE, they definitely are better character wise because they allow them to have more creative agency. Yeah. And there's less women on the card, so it doesn't get as watered down. Versus the men that are on the card. Yeah, and then you have in AEW, they're just fucking physically strong. Like Chris Statlander for one. Like she had somebody on her Incredible. shoulders, and she was getting ready to power slam somebody. Yeah, she she is unbelievable. Yeah. Same thing with Jamie Hader. She's super strong. Yeah. You have some of the best character work being done by Doctor Brick Baker. If, Who is one yeah, of the best heels in the business? She is not getting over as a heel at all, man. She is though. The, the reason why she's getting over is because she's such a good heel. It's like she's the, she's the perfect antihero. She's she's doing the same thing that CM Punk did back in the early part of the 2000s when he was with WWE. Yeah. Right. Because he was so good as a heel that he became a face. It's the same thing with Kevin Owens. And that's what right? they're trying to do real bad with Britt Baker, but the fans aren't just having it. No, no, the fans <laughs> want to cheer her. The yeah. fans want her to She's not a she's not as good of a good guy. No, and oh. she knows it too. Yeah, so she plays into it. Yeah, and just the fans aren't having it, which makes it so much better. And then you have, you know, Thunder Rosa who's unbelievable that's over in AEW. Yep. You have Ruby Soho who was a complete miss by WWE. But she, like she had good matches in WWE. They were just like, "Oh, you're not what we're looking for. You you aren't the type that we're trying to promote. You're not you're, you're not don't WWE fit the mold. pretty. You don't fit the mold." Yeah. You're this tattooed up chick that looks tough. Because she is. Like you don't have that many yeah. tattoos if you can't take that much pain. That's not true. I don't like getting tattooed at all. Oh, it's awful. Sucks. I know, but you could take the pain. I mean, For you're gonna get your head tattooed like Bam Bam Bigelow. No, I'm really not. No, that's not happening. Maddie, it's gonna be a big old he's giant getting, ball bag. He's getting his head tattooed like Bam Bam Bigelow. Yes. Yes. That is not I, happening. Yes, we're gonna have your we're gonna have your nephews do it. Oh man, they fly. Hey, you can get that Power Rangers toy tattooed on the back of your head. I hate you. <laughs> So, what what do we see as the future of women's professional wrestling? Because I think that this is really only the beginning of. This is the beginning. That's wrestling I don't, for women. If this is the beginning, I don't even know. Because, I mean, it's gotten. I've never pictured it to be this big in women's. What you got, bud? It's a, um, it's a Power Ranger toy. It's a Power Ranger toy? What That's color so Power cool. Ranger is that? Green. Green? I thought it was red. I thought his favorite was red. red. Oh, they didn't have any red? Dang. Do you want me to do you want me to go over there and beat him up? <laughs> that was a yes. That was a yes. Alright. Well we gotta wrap up this podcast. Before we got go, go and beat, somebody beat that guy up. up, okay? For not having a red Power Ranger, okay? Yeah. So where do we go from here? I'll ask the question again, where do we go from here? Well I mean I think they started doing it. They're doing their own pay-per-views now. Where they're just showing just women. Um, I think that that's great. They're having just women's promotions, which have been around for a long time. But I think they're starting to come up more and more. I'm going to be really honest with this. I'm I'm ready for it. It's not my cup of tea. Women's wrestling? Or all women's promotions? All women's promotions. It's definitely a niche market. And it has nothing to do... With them in itself, I just, it's the same thing with me watching, I don't, it, the only sport that I really like to watch women perform in is tennis, because I can see, like, the way that matches are played, yeah. and I also played tennis my entire life, You had right? to get that in there, didn't you? Yeah, I did. You got to get one per episode. Uh, okay. Try to, at least. I don't... I don't like watching women fight either. I don't know why. And it might just be my own perception and view. You male chauvinistic. Yeah, but it's also a second thing. You remember the women's show that we almost went to, WrestleMania weekend? Yeah, yeah. Oh, the fans. Yeah. They're real weird. That was gross. Yeah, they're real weird. They're hard to be around without feeling uncomfortable. It's very uncomfortable. Like it's second, a, secondhand uncomfortableness. With you that. get, you get this, uh, this creepy vibe to where they. You feel like you're about to be raped. That's that's far, but sure. Well, that's what I felt like. I felt like they were eyeballing even me. I felt that everybody was sizing everybody else up in the room for why they were being there. You know <laughs> what I mean? It was like, hey, so are you here for the same reason that we're here? No, kind of thing? I'm no, not, I'm, I'm leaving. not. I'm actually not going to be here for this women's women's match, even though I would have loved to see Kara Hogan. Yeah, She's great. She's fantastic. But I felt so bad for all of those women because they were going on at, like, what, 2 in the morning? Yeah, it was pretty too late. To a crowd of... I, the crowd was creepy. That was a really creepy crowd. It I really would feel, was. I would feel weird... At, if I was at the end of my show having to feel like I needed to be walked out to my car even though I'm a professional wrestler because I don't know what creepy dudes are in the parking lot. Yeah, you know, no? I agree. Maybe that's what I, I look forward with professional wrestling, especially with women's professional wrestling. That, that goes away in some shape or form, you know? Where the... Even though it's not for me, right? Yeah. I think that there's a place for everything. It's not something that I would go out of my way to consume, unless it's like Aja Kong. If there was somebody like the Awesome Kong. I loved Awesome Kong in TNA. Oh, like yeah, her yeah. Matches, she, she just retired. Matches, yeah, she just retired. Her matches with Gail Kim yeah, were unbelievably awesome. Like, you had this high flyer versus this world beater who could legitimately wrestle... Against grown ass men. We would have seen her in, in AEW, but I'm pretty sure COVID just fucked that all up. Her knees were killing her, man. Yeah. Her knees are bad. Her shoulders are bad. She was at the end of her career. She came in more of as an enforcer than mm-hmm. anything else. And the, wh- the whole gimmick was weird. Yeah, especially with the Nightmare Collective, where yeah. Randy was gonna go. Could just you? Could you? How bad would you cut feel- <laughs> She just picked her nose with the knife she did do that she did um how would you feel if you were that woman that shaved her head for that angle for it to get dropped the next week i haven't and she hasn't been around since no she hasn't yeah i would hey (laughs) i'd be pissed what a dummy I mean, she thought she had a ticket to ride. Yeah, she all thought the way she was, to the main roster of AEW. She thought she was going. She was places. going places. She was going places, and then she, she didn't wasn't. go. Shit. I guess that for me, where I would like to see women's professional wrestling is to have a market that is more inclusive outside of creepy dudes. Yes. Okay. To where it's. And that's a really hard thing because professional wrestling is inherently something that has been a male-dominated like industry, both for consumption and for the performing of. Correct. So I guess that my my biggest thing is that this new wave of women's professional wrestlers inspires more women that are growing up with professional wrestling to become more involved, one and to go to the shows, and two, to create more amazing women's professional wrestlers so that we continue to have this evolution to where we don't go back to women just being eye candy. Yeah, and just ripping each other's clothes off. Even though, if you go back to the SummerSlam 2000, you can watch a five-star banger between the Cat and Terry Reynolds in a... Stink face thong match (laughs) Jesus Christ (laughs) Which is Uh, the reason why I wanted to do this episode Because I was like Oh my god in 21 years Look at how far we have come Dude I am super into that dude's shorts right now He looks so stiff He needs to go and stretch I I wouldn't fight him though You wouldn't? No Why not? Look at that butt He works (laughs) out and on that note, my name is Luke Badnews-Burton. I'm Psycho Steve Fury. And this is Wrestleology. You can find us on Instagram at Wrestleology Podcast. Facebook at Wrestleology Podcast. You can find us at Twitter underscore Wrestleology. And you can email us at Wrestleology, Wrestleology at email. Wait, what? I fucked that up. No, I'd fuck that up. Oh, okay. It's (laughs) wrestleologypodcast at gmail.com. You can also subscribe and share this episode from all major streaming platforms, including iTunes Music and Spotify. Thank you guys for listening. See you guys next week. Bye bye. Booyah.